Break, Kill Break kicked off our series on Risen, uh, the Risen Lord Jesus Christ, and he talked about some of the famous words, last words of our Risen Savior. And then for the next four weeks, we will look at the the Risen Savior, Risen Jesus Christ, and spe- specifically uh, his sacrifice and what that means for us. If you're on the, the newsletter chain, you got an email earlier this week, and it's also in your notes. I just want to read where we're going for the next four weeks. In the notes you have there, it says, In this sermon series, we are celebrating the risen Christ by looking at Jesus' death as a sacrifice. Thinking about Jesus' death can make us feel squeamish because of all the blood that is involved with sacrifices. Or maybe just the concept of sacrifice itself sounds barbaric to you, and so it may be hard for you to accept his sacrifice or want any part of it. But Jesus' death is life-changing for us. So this series, the next four weeks, will, this will help us to move beyond a narrow view of Jesus' death, and we'll look at four aspects of his sacrifice, and we hope uh, that you will see that we can all see how Jesus' death actually affects our lives uh, every day. This little guy has made a lot of appearances over the last year, beginning with his debut in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, and so I just have him uh, here today. Um, Jesus' blood, we sing songs, we pray songs about the blood of Jesus. Has that ever confused you? Like, how, how is there power in Jesus' blood? Why is there so much focus on that uh, in some songs? And so I just want to bring up some lyrics here on the screen. So I thought of some. And uh, here's one. This is an oldie. So, you know, young people may not know this song. There is power in the blood. Uh, I mean, 1890. I don't mean that you've been around since 1899, but it's popular song, right? Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. How is Jesus' blood powerful? Have you ever thought, like, why? And is it appropriate even to be singing worship songs about Jesus' blood? Here's another one, again, from a long time ago, 1876. Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. It has a nice melody, right? When we sing it, but the flow, like that trickle. It's like, isn't that like kind of gross? Like the flow of Jesus' blood. So this is where my mind went this week to uh, hockey games. And, you know, hockey's in our blood, right? We're Canadians. I remember when I was, I don't know, 18 or so, there was a really awful accident uh, that produced a lot of blood. Clint Malarchuk was the goaltender, goalkeeper, goaltender for Buffalo Sabres. And uh, two guys crashed uh, into the, which happens, and one of the skates came up underneath. It's really gross, really. And then blood flowed. So I think it's like, oh, that, that picture comes to mind. And it was so bad that the TV, they shut out. So if you're watching, it went blank. Um, many people in the audience uh, fainted. Some had heart attacks. And three of the hockey players were even vomiting on the ice because it kind of... Like he really, I don't know, there's something here, you nurses or not, you know, and just filled up almost the whole, like, up to the blue line, right? Disgusting, right? He was good. The paramedics or was, was, were awesome, and uh, 10 days later, he was back on the ice again. But I just think that the flow of blood, like, can it just be trickle or something? Why does it have to be so enormous? Oh, the precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount, like fountain. Like, you know, that's, again, not like a little tap, a fount of blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And 
So maybe you young people are thinking, yeah, we don't sing like that anymore because, you know, that's old. We're, you know, more mature. We're enlightened. But here's Matt Redman, you know, recent guy. He just redid this song. But he acts or changes some of the words. Your blood speaks a better word. Jesus' blood speaks a better word than all my empty claims I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood, it's your blood. Can we sing songs? It's nothing but, or this, Paul Blosh, again, very popular. I think he's coming to Winnipeg sometime. Your blood ran down, your blood ran down, your blood ran. This is a worship song. From your head down your face, from your hands to your feet, your blood ran down for me. Are we singing these songs? You know, your blood, from your, your head, very, you know, face. And I also, this is where my mind goes sometimes too. When I was uh, younger, there was an older guy in our youth group. And uh, remember that song by Queen, um, We Will Rock You? We will. So there was a Christian version, apparently. And, and he sang it to me. And that, I didn't hear, I didn't even know We Will Rock You. I only knew the Christian version. Um, shoot, how did we go? Um, we will. Do you guys know it? Just slipped my mind. Not, not that, not no, the other version. Oh, it's Jesus, Jesus loves you. Jesus, Jesus. They said, we will rock you. And then he's like, your blood on your face, a big disgrace. And then, uh, but again, just the image of Jesus' blood on his face. I'm thinking, what? Is it appropriate for us to sing like this? If there are sacrifices involved, there has to be blood, right? And actually, a lot of the New Testament talks about the more, there are more verses talking about the blood of Jesus than there are the death of Jesus. So it is scriptural, it is central to our faith that we, we need to talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. One more, I've never heard of this song, but I know the band Delirious. Jesus' blood never fails me, Jesus' blood never fails me, Jesus' blood, Jesus' blood. Worship song like that, maybe you know that song. Let's put a nicer picture up there, because it's probably got you grossed out right now. Nice Passover, nice Easter kind of picture. When this guy was up here before, I got a lot of flack from you guys. Um, because he was representing the, the, the Passover lamb, uh, the lamb that was slaughtered uh, in Revelations chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And so um, he needed to have his throat slit, right? And so you guys are really angry, I think, some of you. And it was like, why did you have to do that? But the Passover lamb is a lamb that has been killed, sacrificed. This is central to our faith. And so, and it's very biblical. So you can't blame me. Okay, blame God. He thought he made it central to our faith. So, but I won't do that today because it's kind of disgusting. I get that. So we'll just leave. We can take Jacob's spot over here on the keyboards for now. But I will do one other thing. Just as a reminder for you throughout the, uh, the sermon here. The blood of Jesus is important. It's an, it's an important key to understanding the sacrifice and what uh, the risen Savior has done for us. So open up your notes and let's look at this. The first major sacrifice in the Bible is what? The Passover. The Passover was um, it's a big sacrifice. It was the first one that, that was mentioned, and it's also very closely connected to Jesus' death. In case... Um, you can look at Exodus chapter 12, um, in case you forget uh, this. I'm just going to do a, kind of a quick review here of um, Jesus, Exodus chapter 12. 
you can look at it, you can read along. Of course, you, you probably remember. The Israelites were in Egypt, and they were slaves, and God wanted to rescue them of slavery and bring them into the promise. So he sent all these plagues right to Pharaoh. And every time Pharaoh would, gave in, uh, but then he went back on his word. So it was another plague and another plague. And then finally, after the, the ninth plague, um, Pharaoh was just really upset. And Moses, okay, fine, you will not see me again. And then we come to the tenth plague. And this is where we get uh, the Passover from. So Moses said, okay, get out of here. Uh, Pharaoh said, get out of here. And then Moses left. And then God told this people to prepare um, a lamb and to eat this lamb on this night. But as they slaughtered the lamb and, and cooked the lamb, there were specific instructions of how to cook it and how to eat it. Um, they were to take some of the blood and put it over their doorposts. So this would be, um, all of the Israelites would have this blood you know, over their, their doorpost, over their the doorframe. And then that evening, this was the final plague, um, they would eat this meal as described by God. And then that night, all of the firstborn uh, were killed as this uh, this angel passed through and killed the firstborn in every household. From Pharaoh's uh, firstborn to even prisoners uh, who had firstborn children, they were all killed that night. So it, the Egyptians were very sad. And then they're like, hey, you're God, like, please leave. And like, take your go. And so just as God had commanded them, they, they left and even... Um, Pharaoh was very happy to see them leave, and even the people gave them all their gold and jewelry, so they kind of plundered, plundered Egypt, and then they left and went on this journey. So this is the Passover. Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 and 13 is in your notes. This is kind of the central of it here. On that same night, God says, I'll pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. This blood, the blood, will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Right? So the pass over. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is um, the Passover. It was commanded, um, commanded to Israel as a means of their redemption. It was the way that they were rescued from slavery and brought uh, into freedom. And then it was commanded to be an annual sacrifice year after year after year to remember God's great uh, deliverance from Egypt. So as you see uh, in your notes, the Passover sacrifice, we had fill in, fill in the blanks in your notes this time, so if you don't pay attention, you might miss it. The Passover sacrifice was a means of what? It was a means of protection as God executed judgment on Egypt. The Passover sacrifice was not about forgiveness of sins. It wasn't about that. There's no mention of forgiveness of sins. It was about bringing his people from slavery into freedom. And this was how it was accomplished. Now, Jesus' death uh, does provide forgiveness of sins, but that is just one aspect, and we'll get to that one eventually. But today, we look at the very first sacrifice, the one um, mostly most connected to Jesus' death is the Passover sacrifice. Jesus is the Passover lamb for us. So this was a means of protection as God executed his judgment on Israel. It was also seen as a, as a, a ransom. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses uh, 7 and 8, it says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous, because you were great than other people's, because actually you were the fewest of all people. So it wasn't really because of you that God chose you. 
but it was because the Lord loved you. He just loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. That's slavery language. You can, you can buy slaves out of slavery and into freedom. You can redeem them. They are, they are ransomed from slavery into freedom. So the Passover sacrifice, this was God's protection leading to Israel's freedom. Israel was ransomed from slavery so they could live free. And this was something that God had commanded them to practice over and over, to commemorate and celebrate over and over again. So when Jesus comes and he teaches a lot of things, one of the things that he taught is found in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus, these are Jesus' own words. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is how Jesus, he's talking about his own death. He says, this is what it's for. It's to give my life, the Son of Man, to give his life as a ransom for many. So when Jesus interprets his own death, he links it to this idea of ransom. This idea of bringing people out of slavery and into freedom. When we talk about sacrifices and when the Bible talks about Jesus' blood, it isn't meant to be like literal. But it's metaphor. It talks about all that Jesus accomplished. So when we're praising Jesus' blood and we're saying it's by the power of his blood, it's by the power of what he has accomplished. This is the picture. This is the imagery of that. And so as you read, and you'll read lots of, of, of verses related to Jesus' blood, just think of it as not necessarily literal blood like, you know, in the hockey game, but it's, it's referring to all that he's accomplished. And one of the things that he has accomplished through this sacrifice is freedom from slavery into freedom. Another verse talks about from the kingdom of darkness, right? Brought us into the kingdom of light. This is what Jesus' sacrifice has done for us. Jesus' sacrifice. Today we look at um, one meaning of his sacrifice, freedom. And the next week we'll look at a few others and we'll get to the idea of um, the one that we all probably focus on, which rightly is is fine, uh, forgiveness. But today, because we see how Jesus has linked his death to the Passover and to being a ransom. He's talking about freedom. This is one of the things, one of the ways that Jesus' accomplishment, his blood, provides freedom for, does for us. He provides protection for us from enslaving forces. We know that our power, our struggle, is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against spiritual forces, against principalities, against powers. And his death and resurrection, his sacrifice has redeemed us. It has brought protection for us from enslaving forces. He's ransomed us from the power of sin. Some people call it the kingdom of darkness. From the power of sin into um, freedom, into the kingdom of light. And he gives us freedom from all of this. I have, um, and so what, the purpose is that we will see how Jesus' sacrifice and how him as a risen savior affects our daily lives today. Not just something that we remember in the past, but something that is um, put into effect over and over again in our lives. Jesus could have died on any day. He could have chosen the Day of Atonement. He could have chosen some other feast. There are lots of feasts and celebrations for the Jewish people, but he chose the Passover. He chose that time to be a sacrifice. 
And in scripture, his death is linked to the Passover. He is our Passover lamb. And that's talking about freedom. And so over and over again, as we celebrate this, as God's people celebrate, they're celebrating the fact that he brought them from slavery, literal slavery from Egypt, uh, into freedom. But even today, Jesus has rescued us from the powers of darkness, from these enslaving forces, to live a life of freedom. This has major effects for our lives. I have uh, just a couple stories that I would like to share. Um, one is, uh, as you know, that we had a soul care conference that we hosted with two other Alliance churches in the city. And at the end, the final day, we were praying for uh, people, who, people who felt that they were enslaved, people who needed uh, deliverance, would come uh, to some different prayer groups, and we prayed for them. And then, um, then they went on, on their way. There was a, a long lineup. Many people felt that they needed to be freed from, from demonic forces. From they've, they've been in slavery for, for whatever. And so we prayed for many hours for some of these people. A couple, um, that was a few weeks ago. Recently I got an email from someone, and you don't know this person, but she just said this. She said, I wanted to send a quick note to tell you that I'm so grateful for your prayer with me at the Soul Care Conference. Your team prayed with me quite late on the Saturday afternoon, almost at the end of session, maybe 6.20 p.m. I had mentioned that I was being awakened several times in the night with a shivering sensation. This had been going on for months and getting worse. I was struggling with anger and depression. Praise God. This is her email. I have never been awakened in the night since that time of prayer, and I have been released from that shivering sensation. Thank you so much for your willingness to serve others. The session will now stand as a powerful reminder of God's power. That's freedom. Slavery to freedom. This is one of the meanings of Jesus' sacrifice for us. This is why we celebrate his blood and what he has accomplished for us. Another story. You have heard this story before. It was a video testimony at one point, but I have permission to share this one again. Uh, someone from our congregation went to um, a set-free conference, and we, we hold these here at our church too, uh, in Steinbeck and she had forgotten uh, her meds that day. And she's been on uh, meds for depression for many years. And so she forgot them, and that was so un un unusual because she always brings, you know, everything, she said, uh, Band-Aids or whatever, but she forgot her meds that weekend. But after uh, that weekend, um, she came home, and she has never used meds again. Freedom from depression. This is part of what Jesus died for to bring us from slavery into freedom. These are real stories with lasting results. Also, another story. Um, this is my story, and uh, I've experienced freedom in many different ways. And one of, uh, growing up, I had a, a very unhealthy attitude about older people, especially older men, because of things that happened when I, when I was younger. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was sinful, and it was not right. But again, through, um, through prayer, through being delivered from, from many things, I don't have those um, awful attitudes anymore. I've been free from that. And I can have a healthy attitude toward people who are older than me. And that is freedom. See, this is part of how Jesus' death and sacrifice affects us even today in our daily walks. Jesus died for freedom. We are enslaved. We have been enslaved but we don't need to be anymore. So what do you feel 
uh, enslaved to? I just share stories of freedom. Are you enslaved to, uh, to anything? Do you have any relationships that you feel, I feel enslaved to that. I don't feel free. Do you have any, any habits that make you feel, you know, I don't have freedom in, the, in that area. Do you have, are there any stories about yourself that you've believed in, and, and they've enslaved you to a certain image of who you are and you don't feel free? Any stories about, or stories about God or stories about the world? Is there anything that feels just so important that you just can't live without it? Right, where's my coffee? Being living without coffee today. I joke about coffee, but it could be an actual addiction for some people. Uh, are there other things that you just can't live without? Is there, is there something that just feels you would like to change, but it's impossible? There's no way. It's not going to change. Do you ever feel that enslaved that way? I want something to change. But you know what? I know it's not going to. It's impossible. So just live with it. Maybe these are signs that uh, you're enslaved. Are there any new possibilities that open up because of freedom that has been given to you uh, by Jesus? So you might wonder, well, why are, why, why are we not completely free? Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have been born again spiritually. The Holy Spirit lives within us. Why are we not free? Maybe some of us have just wanted to go back to Egypt, metaphorically speaking. Do you remember the, the people of God? They hadn't been freed for very long. I mean, they were, it was an awful situation. They hated their lives. They, they, they were slaves in the worst way. God rescues them in a miraculous way, brings them out, uh, of Egypt, and then not that long, like a month or so later, they're already grumbling. They're like, oh, I hate it out here. I hate this food. You know, we used to, I, I want to go back to Egypt. And do you remember that? It was, there's word, there's, um, verses are in your notes, just Exodus, um, Exodus 12 was the Passover. Exodus chapter 15, just a few chapters later, it says, uh, verses 22 and 24, Moses led them from the Red Sea. They went into the desert. And for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. So yeah, I get that would be tough. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, oh, what are we supposed to drink? So again, they start thinking, maybe it was better back in Egypt. And then one chapter later, Exodus chapter 16, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, okay, uh, the dates aren't that important right now, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They said to them, if we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, if only we had died you know, in Egypt, there we, we had pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out here into this desert to starve us all to death. And again, in Numbers chapter 11, the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Even the people of God who had been rescued miraculously shortly after started longing for slavery again. They, they, they couldn't really think clearly. They only thought of, they couldn't remember how awful it was. They just thought of some of you know, the perks that they thought that they had. And this is one reason why some of us are still in slavery, because we've actually gone back. It's tough when there's no water to drink, or the water you can drink is bitter, like the people of God. So sometimes we have 
we're not, you're not promised to have a perfect life. You're not promised to be free from trials and tribulations. But when those come, you might say, oh, you know, it, it was easier, you know, just living in slavery. It, it was just, I liked it better. And so we go back. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we're, we don't like change. Sometimes we just feel uncomfortable and we think, we think that God called us to be comfortable. And so we think, you know, just back, these are all lies that we're believing. So sometimes it's just, we don't live in freedom because we just, we don't want it. We prefer the old ways. We prefer how that was, not realizing how it's killing us on the inside. So, so sometimes we just want to go back uh, to Egypt. Other reasons uh, could be we just um, we don't believe the truth. We don't believe that we are free. And Satan, his name means deceiver, he's the father of lies, he takes advantage of that. That's one of his strategies is lying and deceit. And one of our weapons, it's not guns, it's, it's truth. So one of our weapons is truth, but he attacks the truth and makes us believe and we... we Give in to this temptation that, you know, I guess it's it's impossible. It's just who I am. It's just how it is. There's no way I can live in freedom. It, it's, you know, other people can, but not me. And so we don't believe that we actually are. But what is Jesus' death all about then? Like, scripturally speaking, Jesus died. He sacrificed himself to give us freedom. So if that doesn't work, then... Why are you even like reading the scripture? Why are you even praying? Like, why why do you say you believe when, when you don't? This is what Jesus died for. He died for freedom. But maybe we don't really believe it. And so, but if you have not been born again, if you've not been spiritually renewed, then it's not a lie. You act, it is true. You are not free. You are still enslaved to those forces. But for those of us who have been and we've repented and we have received the gift of eternal salvation, we've come back and Jesus' spirit is living inside of us. The whole, we are renewed. We are free. This is the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension on the cross. But maybe we don't believe it. So these are some reasons why you might be, well, how come they get free and I don't? We're in a battle. Right? This isn't. This is a spiritual battle, whether you know it or not. That was what the whole Revelation series was about. That, that the Lamb was a demonstration of that. Right? We, we don't win the same way the world wins. We don't fight the same way we fight with Spiritual weapons, and one of those is truth. So there are uh, other issues that maybe people have. Um, the, Satan is, is maybe victorious in some ways, in some battles, and so we are still not free. Um, maybe it's possible that God doesn't want us to be completely free of, of some things. I'm not talking about immoral issues. That's you know, Yes, he wants us to be free completely of anything that's immoral. But Paul, um, he had a thorn in the flesh that remained with him, didn't he? And he said in the scriptures that it was to keep him humble. But Paul did not come to that conclusion very lightly or very quickly. He had prayed again and again and again. And it wasn't until finally the Lord had revealed to him that, stop, this is, I'm going to leave this with you. But sometimes we remain in slavery because we give up too soon. We think, oh, you know what, this is just what God has for me. We haven't gone right to the very end. Like, so in, in some rare cases, some cases, you may have a thorn in your flesh to keep you humble, as Paul did. But more often than not, we give in too early. We haven't gotten to that point. We, we're just tired of, of unanswered prayers. We think, you know what? That's fine. 
uh, I'll just live with it. That's your thinking. It may not be God's thinking. So there's different reasons why we may not be completely free, but it's not because Jesus' death was not good enough or was not effective enough. According to the scriptures, Jesus is, he is our Passover lamb. He was died. He, he chose to die on the Passover to, to show us that from freedom, from slavery into freedom, that is part of what Jesus' death has done for us. It wasn't only um, the Old Testament sacrifices that points to freedom. It wasn't just Jesus himself saying that this is the reason why I'm dying as a ransom to bring people. Also, the Apostle Paul, another part of God's word, 1 Corinthians, said, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are for Christ who? Our Passover lamb. It brings back all that imagery of the Passover and, and the blood on the post and how these people were rescued, made free. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Very clean, clear theme throughout all scripture. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So as we celebrate our risen Savior, our risen Lord and Jesus Christ, we can't do so without thinking of the sacrifices. The sacrifice that are bloody, necessarily, but particularly today, we focus on the Passover lamb, the fact that he's brought us from a kingdom of darkness, from slavery to freedom, into a kingdom of light. Do you believe that this is God's will for us as a community? Do you believe that all of this points to freedom? We are free. Unless you have not been born again, and if you would like to please talk to us, we will help you pray and confess and re because this why would you this is good news right it's the gospel you might be enslaved because you actually are enslaved because you haven't actually repented and accepted the gift of eternal salvation but those of you who have you're free sometimes though we believe a lie for so many years and it's just ingrained and it's part of our habits it might take some time but anyways, you are free. I want you to believe that. Jesus' sacrifice brought freedom to all of us. Let me pray, and then we will sing one more song about the blood of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, um, I know that we are not completely free. I also know that your death brings freedom. So I hold these two things out here for our congregation. I want to pray on our behalf. Will you bring us? more freedom. Reveal to us where we have been deceived, we've been tricked. We believe lies that keep us in slavery. Show us those. Replace them with truth. Truth about who you are. Truth about who we are. Truth about your death and resurrection. Lord, if anything has been revealed to us today, I pray that we would submit that to you. We would find people we can pray with. And Lord, just more and more make your death and resurrection, everything about this sacrifice more of a reality in our daily lives. Help us to help each other. Pray. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Pray this in Jesus.